everybody welcome to another episode of ho in the know i am um there's not enough hours in the day selena and i'm blackity black black with some black on top Corey. Oop. yum 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 <laughs> happy juneteenth everybody uh, happy juneteenth everybody I hope that you celebrated um, if you're black and or if you're not in the United States uh, by being uh, appreciative. If you're white or non-black, uh, actually, how am I saying this? Dear God. Um, if you're black, you know what this day means. You know how complicated the issue of slavery is with our prison industrial complex still alive and using human labor for barely any money while extorting families for so much money just to support prisoners. So, uh, yeah, you know how complicated this day is, but we can also be joyful for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so hello, uh, Vixen. Hi Vixen. Sorry. Our guest today, I just wanted to do the shout out to the Juneteenth, but our guest Yoda. today is the lovely Vixen Temple. Hi everyone. Vixen, um, Yoda from New Zealand. Every episode, we begin with a segment we call Historical Hoes. And this week's Historical Ho is Coco Mari Six Campos. I got my information from at Futuraz on Instagram and Wikipedia. Coco was born December 3rd, 1974 in La Pera, Peru. In the 1980s, in her early teens, she moved to Lima, where she found drag and began to dress up herself. During this time in her life, she entered a beauty contest where producer Efron Aguilar found her and put her in a magazine called Music Travesti Hall, where she impersonated Marilyn Monroe and Tongolin, a Mexican showgirl. In 1998, she, along with Marisol Malapartida, hosted a TV show called Locovision. However, it only lasted one episode before it was censored for being trans-inclusive. She continued in television on a comedy show called Risas y Salsa. In 2002, she was a part of a film called Ladies' Bathroom, where she played a trans woman who dreamed of getting gender reassignment surgery. In 2003, she experienced a stroke that affected her lower limbs, which kept her from continuing to perform, and she became depressed. After many years of rehabilitation, she participated in the March for Equality and Gay Pride in Lima in 2015. And in 2018, she was a guest juror in the Artist of the Year, a reality TV sh talent show. And that is the beautiful journey of a beautiful showgirl, Coco Maru Six. <laughs> from Aotearoa. It's Monday here, so hello from the future to you two lovely people. Oh, oh wow, yeah, I'm definitely living in the past. <laughs> Sometimes it feels like we all are, to be honest. Oh, <laughs> this time is censorship. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Oh, for sure. Um, it's it's like the whole topsy turvy world down there. I don't know. That's that's very northern hemisphere biased, but it's like winter where you are. I've been checking your weather because it's like the best oh way gosh, for me to know what time it is where you live. Today, so happy winter solstice to all my southern hemisphere babes out there, babes and days. Yes, yeah. happy yeah. summer solstice soon to be. Babes and babes. <laughs> Here, it's actually also Father's Day. So Saturday was Juneteenth. And um, Fixin, you probably, I don't know if you know about Juneteenth, do you? uh, It's not something that we were taught about here in Aotearoa. So my understanding of it is what I've learned from Instagram, essentially. I tried to celebrate the day by donating towards black sex workers because, you know, they're badasses and they deserve to be tipped times 10. But no, I don't really know a lot about I don't know if that's yeah. truly. I, don't I mean, know that's that's amazing. I appreciate. Oh, I appreciate I, I, look, you I even like interacting is, so with I, it. I just I saw a post that was like, "Hey, here's some <laughs> here's some people you can donate to," and I was like, "Okay, I'll do that." But um, I'm from Aotearoa. We don't know what that is. So please, if you'd like to provide some insight for my me. Yeah, no, I think it's it's good. And Corey, you can also like step in if I am mischaracterizing things. But uh, essentially. Uh, whenever, you know, uh, slavery was, whenever we abolished slavery in the United States, um, there was a long period where people in Texas, slaves in Texas were not made aware that they were freed. They were continued, uh, they were remained enslaved, uh, uh, for a while after, um, the Emancipation Proclamation was signed and all of that. And, um, and uh, so Juneteenth is the day that, you know, we celebrate them finding out that they were freed. So it was like the last enslaved people wow. in the United States to be freed. I uh, correction a little bit. Correction, of a, please. please. A little correct. bit of a correction. Just that uh, slavery continues today, but just not in the same form that it can that it was prior to that date. So we still have people who work in chain gangs here in America. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. And who are enslaved by the system, just uh, not in the same way that we uh, yeah. think we of it. Yeah. We feel like it's justified because we we get people on petty crimes or generally yeah. like create systems that you know, it's wild crime. because in Aotearoa, <laughs> yeah. we were taught exactly. during, in high school um, with social studies, we learned about the slavery through the TV show Roots. I'm not even kidding. My studies teacher showed us roots and was like, oh. here's what black people went through. Wow. <laughs> like, wow, that's a really washed down version of it. Okay. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so, yeah, I just wow. sort of do a lot of the wow. research on my own. And it's, it is hard to um, really, in any history, really, because it's all written by white, straight cis men. So, the past year, I've been really trying to unpack history not through their lens because I don't trust straight white cis men. So I don't trust their perception of what history was like, to be quite honest. No offense if you're a straight cis white man, but you're not trustworthy to me. I'm a sex worker. Yeah. And I feel like if you're, if you're like a good cis straight white man, like, you know, like why you're sus, you know, you're, you, you know what's going on. Yeah. What's the, what's, yeah, what's the atmosphere like um, down where you are in New Zealand? Like, so, of course, the, the, the whole race issue is very different. It's much more like, 
um, I guess, white New Zealanders and Maori, and then I guess also some um, like diasporic yeah, other know, like Asian people. As a, right? you know, as a white or, I don't know, correct woman, me, please. <laughs> um, I am Maori European. So I have Māori descent, I'm a proud Ngāti Akawa descent, and then on my mother's side it's all Scottish, Welsh, Celtic, all that fun stuff. So as a white passing woman, I, I can't speak on it too much um, in regards to what it's like here, but just growing up, especially even in the strip club, it's very prominent. You know, I'll tell customers, they ask me, they always ask me, oh, are you Canadian for some reason? I say, no, I'm Māori European. And they, they say something, oh, you don't look moldy, you know, you, you seem too intelligent for a moldy person. It's just so much, so much racism. And during the what? George Floyd last year, um, you know, there's a lot of discourse going on in New Zealand about how it's like that here too. Uh, cops, you know, they target moldy and Pacific Islanders and our prison rates. Uh, what were the statistics? I did an interview with the president of our migrant workers association and there's a really alarmingly high rate of Māori men in prison. And that's not a coincidence. And I'm sure it's the same with your prison systems. Um, you know, they're, they're in prison for weed. Like I went to my file recently at the start end of last year. Yeah. The guy yeah. that assaulted me got six weeks home curfew, not even a detention, a curfew. In the trial before me, there was a guy facing seven years for possessing weed, for dealing weed. And it just goes to show how much our justice system as wow. much as I hate to say this, I reckon if the guy that assaulted me had been Māori or an islander of any sorts, he would have been facing way worse penalties, but he was a white, rich guy, and he got six weeks, you know, slap on the wrist and a curfew at 6 p.m., and he could still go to work and work, whereas I had taken a year off work. So, you know, I lost money because of that. So our our um, our racism here is it's, it's bad, but people don't want to talk about it. Um, you know, I went to the Auckland Museum the other day and was reading about the history of the Treaty of Waitangi, and it's quite similar to the Juneteenth thing. Um, sorry, did I say that right? Juneteenth? Uh, my apologies. I, I Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> so, yeah, um, yeah. yeah, you, you know, said it right, Waitangi, totally. A lot of the translation was not uh, like told correctly to the Māori folk, and there was a lot of uh, land wars. We're still in the process of, you know, return the land back to Māori folk. It's not fair that the queen came over, colonized us, granted Māori folk permission back for their own land. This was our land first. And then the colonizers came over, Captain Cook came right. over and, you know, colonized uh, the Māori folk, the indigenous folk of Aotearoa. And it's such a shame because you hear white people try to defend. So in New Zealand, in Aotearoa, um, Pākehā is essentially how we refer to non-Māori folk. And you hear Pākehā talk about how, mm -hmm. oh, you know, Māori tribes had horrible land wars and they exchanged muskets to kill themselves. So, you know, what does it matter that we did it too? And it's like, oh, my gosh, it's just, just you know, the, the level of ignorance that people can, mm. the lengths that they go to to an, an excuse their racism, the things that customers say to me, thinking that I'll agree with them as a white-skinned woman, and when I turn around and call them out on it, they look genuinely shocked because no one in their whole life has ever told them that's a really inappropriate thing to say. And it's quite interesting that a lot of our racist customers aren't even from Aotearoa and they are racist towards our indigenous folk. And it really, it aggravates me so much um, because you're not even, you, you, um, I had a very racist customer Where are they recently from? talk about how he doesn't like tattoos on Maori women's faces because they look like beards. And he was from 
South Africa. And I turned to him and I said, that's actually really racist. And he goes, oh, I suppose it is, isn't it? I was like, no, it, it, it is racist. You were saying that a racist right now. And I, I got out and stormed out of that dance because I just couldn't believe he said that and he looked at me expecting me to agree. He goes, oh, you know, you can understand. I'm a guy. I don't want women to look like they have beards. And I joked, oh, wow, your fragile masculinity is so, so Ooh. sad. And he looks so confused. Like, what's the stripper doing going off at me? Isn't she meant to be stroking my ego? Oh my <laughs> no, not if you're a racist. Sorry. Yeah. How, yeah. Does she, how, how, how does she, she have any thoughts? <laughs> It really felt like that. He looked so shocked. Yeah, so, no, that's, I suppose, the climate at the moment. We're having a lot of discourse and discussions around. We want to abolish the police too. We, you know, we're like, we're all about ACAB. We're all about that. We've got the black hunters over here. Like, well, not all of us. I am. I can't speak for everyone. But um, yeah, that's, I suppose, the climate at the moment. Very, very briefly. And please bear in mind anyone listening that's coming from someone that's grown up, you know, I was not raised with my Māori no, heritage. No. Um, my dad was very ashamed of it, so I didn't. My mum told me, and she's not even the one that has Māori in her. She, you know, mentioned, "Oh, by the way, you, you, you girls are Māori. You know, your, your grandma was on your dad's side." So yeah, I was raised in a very. Uh, I'm, I'm a white woman. You know, I have white privilege, so I don't want to speak on it too much. It's a very brief overview of the political climate in New Zealand in regard to the treat. Yeah. No, I feel like I feel like that's really illuminating. Um I wanna circle back a little bit yeah. um to the trial that you mentioned. Um could you talk about, you know, could yeah. you tell us the story of, of what happened? Yeah, sure. And, well, I have a blog um, post about it um, on my page, Vixen Temple blog NZ, if you'd like to read the full detailed description of what happened at the trial and how just how traumatizing it was for me, but also empowering too. But essentially what happened was I was working in my club in my hometown. Um, a customer came in, um, assaulted me on the stage in front of a room full of people, and I broke down. You know, it was so, – I don't, I don't really remember it. I've later been diagnosed with PTSD, um, post-traumatic stress disorder, but I right away wanted to take it to the police because this isn't the first time I've been assaulted in my life, and I think since it happened at work – in front of a room full of people, I, in my mind, was like, okay, I've got so many witnesses, there's a camera, surely this will be a fair trial, I'll get this guy punished and he will never do this again to someone else because it's already happened to me, but I cannot let this guy go out there, he is a danger to strippers, and, you know, he laughed in my face as he was doing it, I was kicking and screaming him to get off me, he laughed at me, so I saw evil in this man's eyes and thought, I cannot let this man get away with this, he needs to know what he did was wrong, so I called the police, or the club called the police, I was taken to the police and, you know, I gave a report. They found him, uh, arrested him formally a few days later because he wasn't even from my hometown. He was from Christchurch. He'd driven down in the weekend. I later found out at the trial because his partner at the time had recently had an abortion and he was depressed. So instead of his friends sitting him down and being like, hey, bro, I want to chat. Like, what's going on? They're like, let's just get fucking pissed and put him in front of a stripper and then put, ruin her life. You know, I, I quit the club. I moved up here to Tamaki because I just couldn't stand to be in my hometown anymore. It was like, mm. I felt like I was trapped in this prison. I just felt so, you know, everywhere I went, I just was re-triggered. So I had to move all the way up to Tamaki, um, Auckland here in Aotearoa. And, you know, it turned out to be a really blessing in a disguise moving up to Tamaki. I love it up here. 
But yeah, I, I removed my whole life just to try escape that trauma. Uh, and then during lockdown in Aotearoa, um, I was meant to have the trial. So that constantly was being pushed back because of all the lockdowns. Very triggering, very, you know, going through my PTSD during lockdown, remembering all of the repressed memories, dealing with that. And then finally, the trial finally happened. Um, but it was a sentencing trial because essentially we were meant to go to court for him and to hopefully get him sentenced for or plead guilty for uh, sexual assault, but he didn't want to. He was trying to claim, no, I didn't assault her. I just tried to, you know, apparently that makes it less bad. So they, yeah, I know, oh. right? Like it's the justice mm, system's horrible, wow. but we, yeah. Um, I met with the crown who was defending me and they said, look, we reckon that if you go into that courtroom, his defense lawyer is going to use your job as a justification for what was done to you. And we're not sure if that's the best thing to put you through. And I was all like, no, 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 I'm so ready. Like, fuck that guy. I want to, I want him to get, you know, done for what he did. I don't want to take an indecent assault. I want him registered as a sex offender. This guy's a danger to strippers, but then something happened and I had a flashback. And then I realized I actually don't think mm -hmm. I can go through the trial process. I think it's going to be true, too triggering for me. So we just went straight to a sentencing trial and that's when his defense lawyer said what well, was the quote um you know there's a degree of there's a level of consent established in these these establishments or whatever referring to the strip club and i got up and i i yelled no the fuck there's oh. not. no there's fucking not there's rules there's rules on the door you know i got escorted out um and then when it came to a sentencing the judge <laughs> the judge took off what 20 percent of the sentencing because the male brain hasn't fully developed at his age so the trial the trial was honestly more oh triggering God. than the actual assault because I had oh to sit God. there and in my mind I heard, oh, so all undeveloped male brains have the potential to hurt me. And my mind just went, okay, so yes, all men then. If this this white male judge is sitting here going, oh, he's, this guy was 22 years old, okay? I'm 24. The 22-year-old man, I've had an abortion and I don't assault people. The whole trial was victimizing him. He was depressed. His girlfriend mm -hmm. had had an abortion. He was experiencing low moods. He's a good, pro he's a hard worker. He's this and that. I don't care. And then he apparently told the police that he'd never been to a strip club. The judge goes, well, it says here that you frequent calendar girls in Christchurch. So if you're a calendar girls, Christchurch worker, please look out for, um, go to my <laughs> Instagram Vixen Temple blog and I've got a picture of the guy. He's he's dangerous. He does not know how to control himself around strippers, but he was told that that's okay because his brain isn't developed. Like what the fuck? Can we keep them separate from society until their brains develop? <laughs> like put them on an island until they're amongst they can be amongst civilized folks? Like what the fuck? That was used to defend a guy's my trauma. Like this guy ruined my life, but it's okay. His brain isn't developed. He didn't mean it. I mean, it's like so rare to meet somebody who like actually went as far, at, like far enough to like pursue yeah. charges against somebody for a sex crime, like because the system is just so re-traumatizing and victim blaming. And it's like, you know, that at least in the United States, the justice system is usually very like you know, although we like to say it's innocent until proven guilty, yeah. it's definitely much more guilty until proven innocent. Yeah. Um, 
But whenever it comes to sex crimes, I feel like that is the time oh, where yeah. everybody's like, oh, you know, oh, maybe yeah. not. Like, <laughs> maybe he's not guilty. Not <laughs> it's like, oh, nah, they're guilty. And then it's, when it comes to sex crimes, especially against sex workers, it's like, ah, oh, I don't know. Can we really blame him? His brain is exactly like how can they control themselves it blows my mind the lengths (laughs) that we will go to to not just hold men accountable and of course look it's not just men going out there assaulting people but especially in regards towards you look at the statistics towards sex crimes against sex workers and the judge really went to the length of oh let's blame his Mm -hmm. undeveloped brain like are you kidding me i wanted to rip my hair out i was sitting there feeling like i was in an episode of the twilight zone like am i in an alternate universe what is going on why is this a thing that's allowed to be said i just i even turned to the detective of my case like are you buying this shit and she's like no shh you're gonna get kicked out again (laughs) it was ridiculous i just couldn't believe it and it's also just like the the bullshit of like enforcing a certain decorum to this whenever somebody's like blatantly slandering you and you are the victim of something it's just like it is it's got to be fucking exhausting and infuriating and just but no just so traumatizing like no you go i mean and it's Oh, I was just going to say, you know, like, and, you know, uh, you know, you're also like a white presenting woman, you know, like it's, and <laughs> it doesn't get easier if like not even Dude, white women can get justice in thing. the system. No, you know? seriously. I said that to my friend after the trial, I was like, I'm a white woman who's very straight passing as well. If I, oh my God, what the hell's happening to Oh, like my thought was like, imagine if I, imagine if I looked moldy, imagine if I, yeah, if you could, if you could see my moldy, I would. Yeah. And again, like I said, if the guy had been, the perpetrator had been moldy, they would have taken one look at him and been like jail, jail, put this guy in right. jail. But they saw a, pr- this, I could tell this guy was yeah. rich because I looked up his lawyer and he cost an arm and a leg and his parents looked like, his dad looked like a guy I've given to a lap dance to, his mum looked like someone that would glare at me on this you know like i looked at them i was like they're rich they're from christchurch i know you i know these types and i just the privilege in the justice system so yeah it's it it, it scares me that if i as a white straight passing woman a cis woman too you know what's it like for trans women what's it like for non-binaries what's it like for other minorities it's so scary it's a really terrifying world but you know going back to what you said yeah, like it took a lot for me to take it all the way through and I completely understand why so many people don't because it is very re-triggering. Um, I didn't get a rape t- kit done because I've heard that that process is traumatizing. Um, but, you know, I do want to say to anyone that like yeah. as horrible as the day of the trial was, it was also a very empowering day um, because I got to read a victim impact statement. I got to steer him down and I always say to people, the last memory I had of me, of him in my head was him on top of me laughing at me. And I've now replaced that memory with this scared, pathetic little boy sitting behind his, you know, the defendant uh, spit, just looking pathetic. It wouldn't even make eye contact with me. I got to have a go at his mother in the bathroom. You know, it was a very empowering day. Like it just, I, yeah. So the tea, the, I was in the bathroom Ooh. and it's, the woman, uh comes out of the cubicle next to me and i recognized her because 
she was the woman that had entered with the guy, the perpetrator. And I said, excuse me, are you like such and such as mum? She was like, yes. I was like, oh, well, I'm the woman your son assaulted. And she turns to me with the most, the most Karen tone, really sorry about that. You know, as if like saying sorry is going to, that's cool, bitch. Like, let's just oh, go to court. <laughs> what? Yeah, let's hang out now. Like, let's go get some coffee. (laughs) It's it's like she accidentally bumped into you. She's like, I'm sorry. Oh, what? Took over me, but a fucking demon came out of me, and I like towered on her. Don't you fucking dare! When I give my speech, you're gonna listen to everything I said, and only then will you understand what your son has done to me. Don't you fucking apologize for him. Don't you dare! And I've had a massive go. (laughs) She's cowering in the corner. I wipe my hands and I go see you in court, and I stop off like how dare you how dare you try to apologize i get it look, look if i had a son that assaulted someone i don't think i'd speak to him again so it, it it really upset me to see his family there when my family couldn't be there because i hadn't told them i can't tell i hadn't told my family at the time i was a stripper so he this this piece of shit can have his family support during a really horrible day that i can't have my family support my friends had to come with me so it already pissed me off that his p- parents could support someone but i think whatever that's their son but don't say sorry. Just say something like, look, there's nothing I can say. Don't go, sorry. Oh, I just I just stepped on your toe. Oops. It, oh, I couldn't believe it. But it was a very empowering day. Read my victim impact statement to the guy, glared him out. He could not even look me in the eye. And I got to leave that courthouse knowing that even if it was a stupid punishment, the judge gave him a bit of a telling off and... You know, he looks pathetic, and at least now, when you Google his name, the first thing that pops up is his mugshot. Oh, not his mugshot, sorry, a picture of him in court looking like a little baby. (laughs) So, stuff him. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. So, I just want to, you know, touch upon something that you mentioned, which is that you had to go through this without your family, and um, that's because... And it's because you're not Correct. currently so my out mother to knows most now. of your family. Um, I also, correct? a few, like I think a week after the trial, I finally told her. So at the time, my mum knew I was a stripper, but I hadn't told her about the assault. Because I'm sure other sex workers understand this. When you tell your mum or any family member that you're a sex worker, the first thing you do is, I'm safe, I promise you I'm safe. And then to turn around, I have to tell my mum, you know, the thing that you, you fear happening to me happened, yeah. I just wasn't ready. So she'd known I was a stripper, but she didn't know that I had been assaulted. Um, my siblings know, and I think that's it. My dad doesn't know, um, and if he found out, he'd, he'd never speak to me again, which I don't really care because whatever, he's, a, he's kind of a dick. But he, I have a younger sister with him, and I don't want to lose her. Yeah, right? Like, there's this part of me that's like, <laughs> one day I'm just going to turn around and be like, Dad, I'm a stripper, and get him out of my life. But I love my younger sister so much, and I don't want to lose touch with her. So, yeah, it was hard going through that, not being able to tell my family, um, my support team. At the time, my partner and I broke up. So it was a really hard time for me. And it was actually other sex workers and my best friends who were also sex workers that got me through it. So that's why I love the sex worker community so much because they get it. But even when they don't get it, they don't judge you. You know, they, they're there for you. We're, we're a beautiful, beautiful family. Yeah. 
Did, when so did you start I've doing, been doing sex, work? sex work since I entered the industry by selling my nudes online back in, uh, I think like April of 2018. It was my last year of university, just wanted some extra money and thought, you know, I was a cosplayer back in the day. So I had an Instagram with a lot of thirsty men already. So I just one day put up in my story, Hey, like, yeah, right. You know, milk the male gaze guys get claim that male gaze and profit off it. So I just put up on my story, hey, send me this much money and I'll add you to my Snapchat and you'll get some nudes. And it worked. And this was like, what, like two months before Foster Sester hit in. So I was having like living it up. You know, I'd just become an online sex worker, like go me, I'm making all this money. And then Foster Sester kicks in and bam, my Instagram shut down. Um, I yeah had to be much more careful about how I was getting money from these men as well. And then a few months after that, I started stripping and then I started getting into full service with my sugar daddies. So yeah, started with just, you know, online, you know, dabbling at my toes and now I'm balls deep in with my daddies. <laughs> no pun intended, Jesus Christ. <laughs> wait, wait, so... So were you doing was, like cosplay? Yeah, like, every Sunday awesome. night I'd do a strip show <laughs> and I'd get get them. So I've done like Black Cat, a Mary Jane, you know, I used to be like a really big comic book. Oh, Harley Quinn. That was the thirst trap for me. This was back when I was a blonde. Yeah. She, oh, Harley Quinn has so many. Oh, yeah. I fucking love it. So I was doing yeah cosplay shows and they were fun for a while, but then I was like, I'm yeah. going to do this in the clubs. And then I started working in the clubs and that was awesome. And then it was like, I want to make more money. So I started, you know, fuck it. Let's let men, let's let men have sex with me. And it's, you know, it's great. Like it's been so, it's actually been very helpful to help me heal from my sexual trauma too, because I started doing full service after the sexual assault, which, you know, some people are like, what? Like, that's weird. I'm like, no, actually like putting a price on something that this guy expected for free is actually really fucking liberating and empowering for me. I know it's not for everyone. And I'm not saying that, you know, sex work is not only valid when it's empowering. I hate that narrative of like, you need to be empowered to be a sex worker. You don't. But for me personally, I didn't really start doing full service for the money. It was more like, I actually want to claim back this thing that men have wanted for me for free for so long and put a price on it. The first time I did it, oh my God, I felt, I was like, why the hell didn't I do this sooner? Why did I ever have sex with men for free? And then that's the day I was like, I'm never having sex with men. <laughs> we're all so yeah. queer and we're like is there a term for like i'm sexually attracted to all the genders except men but i am with men if it's for money <laughs> because that's us <laughs> no oh my gosh i was talking to somebody the other day about that like i will only I only want to be with yep. a cis man if like they're paying me why I should keep a man this is why I love talking to other sex workers they get it but then you talk to to sibs and you're like girl I fucking get it too <laughs> oh men we're sorry <laughs> yeah no like, I think I like talk to like my um civilian friends sometimes and like a lot of them like just complain about like this cis man did yeah. this and like my boyfriend isn't this and like I just wish you know and I'm like 
you could have all that. Like you could, yeah. <laughs> like you could deal with yes. all of those burdens yes. and get paid for Literally it. Literally, yeah. what I say to people like, all the not? time. I just hear, especially my straight friends. Oh, I'm so glad I'm not straight. Like, no offense to the straights, we love you, but far out. My poor. <laughs> and they say it too. They're like, fuck. It's not a choice because they would not have chosen to be straight. They would have chosen to be anything but attracted to just me. But I always say to them, you know, you could just, just like, they'll be like, oh, this guy wants a nude. I'm like, charge him. And she's like, it's my boyfriend. I'm like, no, <laughs> make him pay. Yeah. <laughs> make him pay twice. <laughs> oh my gosh. A friend of mine, a friend of mine, um, she, uh, she was like, I need some extra cash. Like, I don't know how I'm going to like make this bill this month. And she was like, I have all these guys that like want nudes for me, but like, I'm, I don't know. Like, and it wasn't even like she was afraid yeah. to do sex work because of all like the sex worker things. She was like, I don't know if they'll like my body. And I'm like, they're you. all begging Thank for your you. body. What the are you talking about? Like, yes. Yeah, exactly. Say that. Oh, you know, maybe when I lose a bit of weight, I'm like, why? Why? Why should you? The the, the male customers aren't making any surprise. They love you. Yeah. You've got it. They clearly like, like it as any, is. And it's, it's, it's very sad yes. when people say things like that because it speaks to the fat phobia of our society. But I'm like, look, not to, I mean, yeah, our bodies are commodities when it comes to sex work. So if your body's a commodity, there's a, there's a, there's a niche for you out there. There's men that like, also, you know, I've had men come up to me and say, you're too skinny. And I'm like, that's cool. I'm just not the one for you. Okay, go find a, someone that does suit your your thing that you're looking for. And, you know, I've got too many tattoos. I'm too this. I'm too that. I'm too whatever. It's just there's there's someone for everybody. And I'm a, I've got like a small petite athletic build that um businessmen really like. So I t- tend to go for them. But um no, there's something out there for everyone because men, men will fuck a sandwich. So like. You're you're beautiful, babe. They would. Honest, they'll fuck a couch. They'll fuck anything. They'll fuck yeah. a couch. <laughs> a like a bag with some yogurt in it. Like, Literally, oh my God. like I far out. It's it's actually like I I made a slideshow about that. What was it? Five things that being sex workers taught me about men. And the first thing is that men real straight men really crave female validation. So. <laughs> Don't be acting all, oh, I'm not good enough for the male, like your customers. You are good enough for the customers. They're not good enough for you. That's why they're paying you. Come be a fucking sex worker. You're a fucking hot and you should be paid for your time. You should be paid to breathe because I'm sick of men expecting me to listen to them for free. They're so boring. Pay me and I'll listen and I'll pretend to care. <laughs> it's so true. Uh, I had like one of my customers, like speaking of men will like really sexualize anything, but he like sent me, he's like, I'm a good boy, but not all the time. And he sent me pictures of like oh, sexy mannequins, Nothing. Oh, like, <laughs> like mannequins in like skimpy Nothing bikinis. Sexy. And I was like, what is this? Oh my God. He's also sent me like a video of like uh, a man oh. sexualizing a woman I, breastfeeding I, and stuff, and I'm just like, I don't understand. I truly like. Well, is there ever a moment? Dollification is a thing, and you know there are people out yeah. there that are like, I want to fuck a doll, and yeah, you like, know hey, that's hella valid. Yeah. Like, 
It's definitely valid. When I was a kid, I, I liked, you know, oh God, smashing right? Barbies like, together, and that was hot. Are you straight? <laughs> my Brett was, man. They yeah, were yeah, scissoring yeah. before I knew what scissoring yeah. Oh my god, one of my Barbies had pubic hair and I thought it was really hot. Yeah, it was. Yes, I mean, I don't like maybe I'm like remembering this wrong, but it had like bees, like it, like pubic hair in the shape of bees, like the letter B. Oh, I feel like that was meant to be underwear or was it just like coochies? No, because no, they were like curls, just like curls and like. And then they were like oh bees, God. and then more curls, oh my and wow. I don't know. I I thought pubic hair. Yeah, I like that. Have pubic hair because I'm all about free the bush. I I love my bush. If I had a Barbie doll with a bush, I would never <laughs> would have cut my poor fanny lips all those times trying to look like a prepubescent woman to appease to the male gaze. <laughs> God. Oh <my> <laughs> Definitely. Do you feel like the men actually like the yeah, shaved pussy? Like where you I don't are? Think Kiwi men really do. I feel like I've ever since I, I came back to the club after lockdown, after taking time off to um heal from, you know, the trauma. And I returned and I thought, I'm not gonna shave my armpits, I'm not gonna shave my my pussy because I really don't want to. And so I got back to the club and I started getting more bookings and guys were like, Oh, I really love seeing, you know, a natural woman. And I suppose, you know, we live here down under. Kiwi men, they're quite, you know, some of them are quite rugged. They're farm boys. They probably don't really give a damn. I feel like it's the rich businessmen that sort of prefer the shaved. It's interesting, right? The more professional the man, the more Mm -hmm. the pedophilic tendencies they have. So weird. Because, you know, we've got our our country Mm -hmm. farm boys that come in. They don't care if you're shaved or not. They just want to smell you. But (laughs) they just want to smell. but businessmen seem to really you know they want their sugar babies to look like 12 year old girls or or the mommy fetish or they have a mommy fetish it can it can go either way oh sorry you (laughs) You know i want something oh they want somebody like a gilf or a milf or they or they want like prepubescent I've definitely seen actually a lot of, of businessmen go for the gilf thing. It's funny yeah. when businessmen, they either the mommies want, and the gilfs. You know, because they're mm-hmm. the boss in their world, they either want someone to make them not be the boss and they can surrender for a moment, or they just constantly like to be the boss and want. So if, I feel like if they want to be the boss, they want the younger looking girls, but if they want to surrender and just be held, they want the gilfs. And you know what? Good for them because, again, going back to what we said before, there's someone out there for everyone. You've got a clientele out there, and when you find them, you will make your money, and you will make it so good. And it's just, I was going to say before, it's so funny. Men really be the same everywhere. When I put up, you know, when I put up, like, Bruce the Strip Club customer videos, and I got people from, like, fucking China and Russia and all over the world, like, oh, my God, the customers are just as bad here. (laughs) Like, yeah, men men haven't evolved they're, they're still the same yeah. they were 100 years ago and they're probably going to be the same in 100 years time <laughs> oh my but yeah that was the funny thing about your bruce videos because it was like it's it's almost like these men read from the same yeah. handbook of really how to be cheap and shitty original. wait can you <laughs> it doesn't matter yeah yeah 
let's you no know, i oh, want to talk about bruce please bruce. like could you talk about what this character bruce. is like bruce is um bruce the strip club customer is a drag character i have so i'm a drag king as well as a <laughs> stripper and um I do a lot of drag shows oh not a lot I do a few drag shows here and there all over Aotearoa and Bruce um came from a Halloween costume I made uh in 2019 um every year I'd done something sexy for Halloween and so this year I was like I want to do something not sexy what's the least sexiest thing (gasps) a strip club customer (laughs) so I went to the store bought a Hawaiian shirt a cigar and a, a fake mustache put it on my friend was in my room and the second it was on me, so I've done theater my whole life and costumes really helped me to evoke the character. The second it was on me, I just started slouching, uh, you know, grabbed my balls. I started man spreading and turned to my friend, um, Sean, and was just like, I grabbed a $2 note, was like, what are you going to do for it? Eh, eh. And he was like, oh my God, that's hilarious. Please record that. So I recorded it, <laughs> put it on um, Instagram and it got a lot of responses. And I think because I tagged exotic cancer in it, thinking she'd find it funny and then she shared it. And so I had, I had strippers from all over the globe messaging me like, holy crap, Bruce is every customer I've ever had. So a few months later, I did a, um, a my first stand-up show. I did a sketch as Bruce at the New Zealand Six Workers of, uh, Six Workers of Aotearoa Art Exhibit. And that was held in Tamaki last year. Um, Jordan Quinn um, does those. There's one coming up in Christchurch this year. We're very excited for it. But I performed Bruce there and the opening night was just for other sex workers. And it was so funny because every time he'd say a line, you could spot the strippers in the room. Like one of his lines was, all right, if I get a lap dance, what do I get? And you could spot the strippers in the room. They were just in hysterics, like scream (laughs) laughing. Um, And at the moment, I'm actually working on a play called just the tip and it's a one woman's it's a stripper's guide on how to not act in strip clubs and i've got bruce in there i've got other characters i've got the swerf i've got the hens party i've got the you know i've got the um the male feminist the creep the sugar daddy i've got them all and bruce is going to be in there because bruce really i think just represents it's funny because at the first he was meant to represent just the kiwi strip club customer but he's really uh, just strip club customers in Mm -hmm. general I literally had a customer reply to my story because I put up with Bruce like customers be like and a man replied not all customers <laughs> not all men it's not all customers. <laughs> oh my gosh no he was that customer he was clearly he was so that customer. hurt I think it was a story of Bruce because we have rugby Rugby is huge in New Zealand, so the amount of times men come in and there's there's a TV in our club that shows the rugby, and so there's men coming in and you're like, you're tipping, oh, I'm here for the rugby. No, you're not, because there's rugby bars on the road. You're here for tits and the rugby, so tipping me. Yeah. And I, I think I put that up in my story. Oh, no, nah, love, I'm not right. tipping, I'm just here for the game. And a guy replied, not all customers. It's like, okay, well, you must be that customer then. Sorry, sir. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I hate those people so much. I'm like, don't pre- act like you're not here to see tits so while weird. you watch your game, yeah, like side eye us and like look at sports. Look, you know, you see it too. I don't think customers realize that when we're on stage, we're elevated and we can see every single one of you and we have trained ourselves to spot the eyes. And when you walk over to them and they quickly look away, I'm like, I know you're a, my boobs have radars. They burn when someone's looking at them. I'm like Karen Smith. My, my breasts can tell when someone's staring at me and like I can feel my boobies 
know when they've been observed. So don't tell me you, oh, I'm just here for the game. Like, all right, go to the sports bar. They're literally down the road. No, you're here for titties, as I am. <laughs> Look, I'm exactly. here to be the provider. Exactly. I am the seller of these titties. And the least you could do is compensate me just, for having them out. not even asking for much. It's $2, man. It's uh, like, get me on the bus, but whatever. <laughs> Yeah, it's, I, I feel like just think of it like at least buy me yeah. like a drink from Starbucks or something. Yeah. Buy me an buy alcoholic me, beverage worth of I'll tip, you know? That, that, that reminds me of uh, I, I was go-going for a club and this woman, she comes up and she brings my, who she didn't know she was my friend, uh, brings my friend up with her and puts a dollar bill in her mouth and says, like, watch this to my friend and tries to put it in my mouth. Oh. And I'm like, <laughs> a dollar bill? No. You think I want to put a dollar in my mouth? God. Like, what you got to do for it? Especially women that come in, babe, I've got $2. Will you know about me? Like, no, I won't, Becky. Give me $10. <laughs> You're not show ponies, like we're not, yeah. Like, yeah, we are, but like I would at least expect like $20. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and if you're they gonna just be a, sorry, if you're gonna be a woman in that space and like say yeah. that you're like you know pro ho or whatever, like, like yeah, show it then, be, like, don't be. I was talking you know, to my friend, yeah, and, don't uh, be a Becky about it. The show that I'm writing yesterday, and we were trying to niche out the character, the hen's party character, and then the she's the girl boss who's sort of got the very swerve mentality and we're trying to flesh out the two characters and I thought okay so girl boss is the swerve and hen's girl is the ally and then my friend made a really good point that a lot of sex worker allies are actually quite bad at like not tipping like they're allies until it comes to paying and it was a really good point they made it's the same with oh I'm pro ho but pro ho means like tip hoes pay for hoes don't just say i love hoes like yeah you've got to love us by supporting us it's not just oh we love gay people now so you know you're great but we're not going to cast you in our show i'm a hoe he's a hoe she's a hoe we some hoes wouldn't you like to be a hoe too i'm a hoe he's a hoe she's a hoe we some hoes wouldn't you like to be a hoe too Hi, it's Clover once again with a commercial. Ever wanted to hear sex workers interviewed on a podcast run by sex workers? Then have I got a show for you. Introducing Ho in the Know. You heard it here first. This podcast is entertaining, clever, insightful, intriguing, charming, salacious, sexual, and hot off the press. Grab your cup of water and tune in on Spotify, Apple Music, and somewhere else, I think. For the best podcast since sliced bread. You were saying you were developing your characters, um, the pro, the pro sex yeah, work, think, and yeah. Just talking about like yeah, like I I'm, I'm working on a blog at the moment, how to be a supportive sex worker ally, and I do understand that. You know, like, I wish that I could pay, don't, like, if I was rich, you know, I'd just throw my money to so many people. I wish that I could support more causes. 
But there's a way, you know, if you don't have the money to support things, don't go into the spaces where you're expected to pay. So don't claim to be a sex worker ally, but then come into my club, just scream in my face about how you love me, but Mm -hmm. don't tip me. It's, I just, I, I really, and this, I, I used to be a sieve too. I used to be a customer and I would always make sure I tipped an, ad, an adequate, sorry, tipped a fair amount. So I, I just, I actually cannot ex- justify in my head. I can't understand why they think that just screaming at me is enough. Yes, queen is like not showing support. But yeah. I think it just, cause you know, I work in the, I work in the theater scene as well. It's actually quite beautiful. I um I did a show uh, about two weeks ago for um as a cabaret show, and a lot of the strippers from work came. And one of the strippers came up to me and was like, "Hey, so what's the deal? Am I meant to tip the performers?" I was <laughs> like, "Oh no, like you're not meant to, but like I don't see why not." And I just thought that was so cool that in her mind she's come as a theater patron and she's like, "Do I tip?" Because mm-hmm. all she's ever known is the strip club world. So I suppose I understand, especially in Aotearoa, we don't really have a tipping culture. Um, because I guess we pay people fairly. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's like, you well, know, we, we get wages we, here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we got, we got, we got that. We got that going right. It's not perfect, but better than what I've seen in. in oh yeah, well, it's Thanks, a very but... low bar. A low bar. <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's the problem. The bar's so low that it's not perfect, but it's like, hey, it's better than what you guys have to deal with. So there's not really a tipping culture here. So I do understand why. You know, when I say to someone, are you tipping in, a, in an Aotearoa sense, we, we're, we're too modest. So it's seen as rude to, to like, protect it. you're essentially saying to someone, my time is worth money, and they get offended by that. But just, just stop. I'm saying this to everyone, regardless of Aotearoa or not, stop coming into strip clubs if you're not willing to spend money. We're not a charity. We are a luxury. And I think people have forgotten that. And I do worry, and this is, you know, what me and Selena are constantly talking about on our Instagrams, the, 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 the celebrities that glamorize us. And it's, it's been good that stripping has gone so mainstream, but it's also quite a detriment to us because I feel like we used to be this niche taboo society just for the rich and the elite, which, you know, as a form of, it's classist, whatever, but hey, it's capitalist, we live in this world. But now it's like everyone, <laughs> everyone just thinks that they can walk into the strip club and not have to pay and it's really unfair to us workers. We're not getting paid to sit here and just stroke your ego, okay? If you're sitting in here not willing to spend $2 on me, which is really nothing. You know, I do $10. I usually work stage shifts, so I'll do $10 stage spots. And customers, oh, well, that was boring. Well, yeah, you paid me 2 bucks. You're going to get a $2 right. show. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's <laughs> yeah no the expectations of of people who come in there and just like throw a dollar on the stage and like they expect you to like you know jump on the ceiling and and you know drop into the splits and like tumble across the stage (laughs) yeah to you know do some cool tricks female clients in my experience are the worst at that men i think they sort of just, they just, you know, they just want to see boobs, but women come in like, oh my mm-hmm. God, do a trick, do a move. I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah. pay me because my lessons yeah. cost more than what I got you Yeah, I do feel like a performing monkey. Sparkle. Yeah. Please I got a, me. I got a lot of people like wanting to touch me and not paying anything to touch me. Like, especially women clients and especially gay men um, clients yeah. would yeah. be like, 
oh, I can like stick a finger in your underwear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or they they want to get really close yeah. to you. I've definitely had like a woman try to touch my pussy on stage, and I was like, what the fuck oh, is yes. this? Like, oh yeah, women are always trying to make out with me. You know, they put the tip in their yes. mouth and you go to grab it, and they try to make out with you. Mm. And I and yeah, they try to <sighs> they grab you and they grope you, and it's like. And they come up to you and they'll tip you and smack your ass. And I just yes. want to smack them back and be like, "Excuse me, you don't get to touch me. You, you, you just because just because you aren't sexually attracted to me, and mm-hmm. I'm not your your sexual preference, does not mean that I'm not going to get traumatized by that because my brain doesn't know that, right." yeah Yeah. i mean it's there's also like the level of like ones just being fucking disgusting like money just is so disgusting don't put it in your mouth (laughs) like psa don't put money in your fucking mouth that's just not good you're gonna get sick yeah or just you're gonna get get e coli or something or high right (laughs) how much how many how much money is covered in drugs? A lot of it, probably. The majority Seriously. of it. Unless you got a... <laughs> yes. Unless you're like that one stripper who literally laundered her money by putting all of her ones in the washer and dryer. <laughs> oh my god. I admired her. <laughs> did she do this Everybody with American like, money? Yeah, she did it with American money. Well, that's not waterproof. <laughs> okay. I mean, it kind of is. It's like cotton, but yeah, it's not like. I've definitely ripped dollar, dollar bills just by like having them in my underwear for too long and them getting wet and <laughs> taking them out and they rip. Okay, this is maybe TMI. I don't know. <laughs> no it's such real, thing though. as TMI in the sex worker world. Sorry to all the sibs listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> So you're working on this show, you're you're stripping, you're doing drag, like how do you have time for it all? <laughs> oh, you girl, you tell me. Like I I just smoke a lot. Oh sorry, sorry, sorry sidebar. Um Corey and I are both non binary people. Oh, my apologies. I, I use dude and girl as uh just like throw out words, so my apologies. Um hey days, oh you're telling me, like <laughs> No, seriously, I have a lot of um oh by the way, I'm he her. Uh sorry, I'm she her. <laughs> I mean both can be true. All can be true. Hey, we never know, but you know, I I'm a busy bee, but I have a Virgo moon, so I don't like not being busy. Um I feel like I get stressed when I'm No, not really. Like I, I you know, I do a lot of meditation on my downtime. Just you just smoke a lot of weed and do a lot of meditating and um, when you're busy. Yeah, it's good. It's, I think it's a good balance. And now I've got my kitten. I've just adopted a cat. So um, I've got him to keep me calm and grounded on my days off. But yeah, you know, I, I like being busy. I'm, I think after lockdown last year, I, I, I went a bit mad being stuck inside, not being able to work and create. I'm a creative. I, I live to create. You know, it's my, it's my art. It's my child. It's my life. So I feel like I'm just making up for lost time. And I don't mean that in a capitalist grind hustle. You've got to always work because I've learned this year. It's okay to rest. It's okay to just take a moment and be like, hey, I actually just want to take a week off and just do nothing. So anyone out there, if you're a workaholic like me, it's okay to rest. In fact, if you don't, you're going to burn yourself out. Trust me, I did. I got stripper burnout so bad also have a blog, a blog about that if you'd like to know more about what stripper burnout is 
Um, but you know, it's okay to rest. So be a workaholic, but also be a loving sometime alone aholic. I think that's like such a powerful message just because like as sex workers, like we don't have like a clock in clock out. We don't for the, mo- yeah. for the mo- most part. I mean, like, of course there are like some people who work in strip clubs where they're getting, you know, hourly wages somewhere. I don't. <laughs> in the, in California. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, but yeah, it's a shitty situation with that. I mean, but also like phone sex operators. I feel like, um, especially if you work for an agency in any capacity, like you, you have the nine to five hours or whatever your hours yeah. are. And cameras, cameras have their hours. Do <laughs> but yeah, but I mean, and also being oh. a baby, even like my sorry, I was just gonna say my my hands glued to my phone at all time, waiting for my daddy to text me, and I've got to respond to him and be emotionally there for him and provide that emotional labor. So like, yeah, sex workers are on high alert at all time, and I think one thing that we struggle with is to find that downtime. And I'd really love to one day in the future be able to hold workshops with people because I found with sex workers, I found this year that I've I've figured out a way to. And it's using many of my theater techniques to sort of take that mask off for a bit and just be you again. It's like those memes of, you know, a devil in the bath, like a devil meat suit, like me after a day of having to be nice to people. It's really Mm -hmm. like that though. You do need to have Mm -hmm. that downtime. I do a lot of, you know, whatever I, I smoke weed, I sit and I meditate and I'll run my hands and tap my hands all over my body and just say like, this body's mine. I reclaim the space. I'm a very highly empathetic person. So being around customers for a long period of time I come home I feel like I'm carrying their trauma with me so I have to take that jacket off it's like a wet coat that I've been put on me I have to take that off when I get home so I think it's very important to remind I hate that hustle culture I hate that grind culture you know there's a lot of it amongst I find the online sex work community because it's quite a tough market you know you've got to always be posting always make content I think that that's the worst thing to happen to creators is that they need to consider their art content because they feel like they need to always put it out there it is really vital that you take time to yourself and it's really hard as sex workers for us to find that downtime because we are always on alert always ready to have to put on this mask throw on our lashes and pretend to you know care about these men who we really just we just want to get paid so have that dedicate just like an hour in your week to just have time to sit with yourself and check back in with yourself and say hey how am I doing how are you going? Are you good? Do you need a break? What are we doing? It's really, really important for your mental health, which is something else that sex workers struggle with mental health problems because it's a it's an interesting world we live in. It's not built for for us folk, is it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's definitely built around not caring about us, you know, and if the culture is all about not caring about us or valuing our lives or our health or our safety. It's hard to bring that mentality into our personal lives at times. Yeah. It's like you have to work overtime to assure yourself and to believe in yourself and to do the work that you do. Yeah. Absolutely. And I feel like it's another way for us to try to prove that our work is valid because I work so much. And it's just, again, it feeds into that masculine Mm. idea of just work, work, grind, grind, and never rest and just you know greed 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 it's why we need to we need more feminine in our society not feminine in the binary sense of you know man woman just feminine like community work holding space for one another touching just returning to your spirit and going hey am i okay i think i'm overwhelmed right now let's just take a moment to just breathe and it's it's so much pressure on us sex workers to feel like our work is valid by constantly hustling constantly working 
So just know it's okay to have a rest, you beautiful sex workers. You're doing so good and I'm so proud of you wherever you are. And it's okay to just have a sesh, have a bath, buy a cat. It's great for your mental health. If you're into it, get a dildo. Use my code, VictorTemple10. <laughs> this is me like, the hustle never stops. I hate capitalism. <laughs> But hey, check out my blog. Um, yeah, speaking of which, <laughs> speaking of which, uh, we're we're coming to the end of our time. Um, this is the time where you can plug everything. Please tell us everywhere we can find you. Oh, amazing. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been beautiful talking to you both. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Vixen Temple Blog NZ, um, Twitter at Vixen Temple Blog, and then the links to all of my blog my youtube channel my podcast in my bio uh, i'm available on spotify and apple podcast as vixen temple podcast on youtube uh vixen temple i do a series where i react to you know strip club scenes from films and media um my podcast i just essentially pick a topic and unpack it and discuss it with you all and we have a cup of tea and i also interview sex workers and then on my blog I just talk about my personal experience working as a sex worker here in Aotearoa so please go check out my work if you would like to learn more about the sex work industry from a sex worker because nothing about us without us yes beautiful you can find me at the goddess Corey on instagram on twitter i have a milkshake it brings all the boys to the yard um and you can click the links in it beautiful I am Selena the Stripper. You can find me on Instagram at Pretty Boy Girl. You can uh, follow my Patreon at The Real Pretty Boy Girl, where I share all kinds of stories. This week, I uh, I don't know what I'm going to post. You know what? I guess you'll find out. Um, you can follow us on Instagram at Home in the Know, spelled Hughes in the New Yorks. Uh, and yeah, that's that's about it. Um, thank you all for tuning in, and thank you so much, Vixen, for joining us and yeah. sharing your story. Oh, well, Tinakwe, thank you for having me. I really appreciate that. And Tinakwe, everyone, for listening. You're all amazing. And, you know, burn the patriarchy, eat the rich, and pay for porn. Yeah. Fuck yeah. All right. Bye. 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 Bye